Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. Hello, and welcome to the Movie Trap, the movie trap filled with dudes who watch dude movies about dudes. Uh, joined with me is my co-host and co-friend, uh, Chris Boroff. I know a thing or two about performing. <laughs> and with me as well, my other co-host and other co-friend, Zach Powers. I'm English and I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been a more fun movie, <laughs> I think. what probably Aaron? Uh, well, that wasn't anyway. Uh, welcome to the movie trap. Uh, on the movie trap, each of the three hosts you just met uh, get to pick a... Well, okay, one of the three hosts you just met picks a theme, and then each of us picks a movie based on that theme. Um, once we've watched all three movies, each of us gets to vote on which movie was our favorite or least not favorite. Um, however you want to splice it. Um, we each get with an allocated amount of points, um, plus some bonus points that we get to divvy out along the way. Uh, and then whichever host movie wins the vote gets to pick the next theme. And good news, we are in a brand new theme today because previously on the movie trap, Boref won uh, Zach's uh, Cities themes with uh, this new batch of movies we are going to be calling genre shift themes, meaning that uh, somewhere in the movie, the movie changes from one genre to another. Um, this is a kind of nebulous topic, I feel. Um, it's going to be hard to, uh, I think, fence in, I believe, because it's uh, it's difficult. And this movie did us no favors because he chose uh, the very experimental film Performance uh, from 1970, starring James Fox and Mick Jagger. Um so yeah, that is what you are in for today, guys. And I'm not gonna lie, it's a, uh, it's a ride. Um, so it's a, it's a rough uh, one. Without further ado, before we get, yeah, it's 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, to Borf's credit, he hasn't seen it before, but we'll get into that uh, in a minute. But uh, real quick, I mentioned some points earlier in the intro. Uh, each of us gets an uh, equal amount of 10 points for final voting, but each of us has three bonus points to give out uh, to each other for whatever reason we see fit. Okay, so Zach, I think you have the uh, hardest job of the podcast today, and that is to tell us the plot of the movie Performance. So, sure. By all means, my friend. Performance is a 1970 British drama, crime, psychedelic, experimental movie uh, directed by uh, Donald... Music video directed by Donald uh, Kamel and Nicholas Rogue, previously of Don't Look Now, um, on the same podcast. It stars James Fox and Mick Jagger, who is has a side job as uh, a musician in a band called The Rolling Stones. Um, anyway, uh, the premise... <laughs> Him is a fresh-faced twenty-something in this, I think. He uh, was fairly baby. young, fairly yeah. young. Yeah. Um, regardless, uh, uh, the movie is about a young Londonite hooligan named Chaz who works for a gangster named Harry Flowers, doing doing uh, various hooligan shit. Uh, you know, and and as you might expect, hooligan shit involves you know. Uh, 
um, hijacking cars. Trash and cans then, through windows. Yep. Mm-hmm. Trash cans through windows. You, you steal a car with the driver in it. You pour chemicals on the car. You shave the right. driver's head. Things of that nature. Right. Yeah, I think um, it was acid. Look, I think we've, that was supposed to be what that was, even though I think it was supposed itself. to be acid too. But it just looked yeah. like look, we've all some seen liquids Bugs in the <laughs> Just a nice hot cup of tea over the car. You can't take this, can you? Sorry. Yeah, you 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 have a bunch of casual. <laughs> you have a bunch of uh, Nicholas uh, Rogue sex scenes where uh, you know there's they're very long and uh, you know just a lot of nudity. <laughs> common theme for his movies uh regardless uh his boss uh kingpin gangster harry flowers decides he wants to take over um a shop owned by a fella named joey maddox um and Chaz is sent to bring this maddox guy in um even though they have a bit of a history he ends up smashing and trashing his shop before embarrassing him uh, when he forces him into the car to meet with Flowers, Flowers is like, listen, I'm going to take over your shop. Technically, we're partners. That's just the deal. But uh, Maddox is angry at Chaz, this this hooligan who enjoys the violence and the game and the, the roughhousing too much. He's a wild dog. And Maddox decides to take his revenge by throwing red paint all over his apartment. And then kind of beating him up for a little while. And uh, ultimately, Chaz manages to get a gun uh, while they're kind of exacting the revenge on him and kills Maddox. Uh, at which point, he packs a bug out bag and Maddox. runs away. Yeah. So Chaz heads to the English countryside uh, where he overhears an old woman talking to one of her tenants, a musician who is going on tour and he says, Hey, I'll be back in a little while. Don't worry about it. You still got the other tenants there, blah, blah, blah. And he decides to jump on this opportunity and uh, pretend he's a friend of the guy who's leaving on tour. So he has a place to live for a while uh, through this old woman. And so he moves into this, uh, this little flat uh, where uh, already there are a few tenants um, there is, and let me just find their names real quick. Turner, uh, sort of a formerly big musician who is sort of going through writer's block or, you know, the like, um, there is, uh, Ferber, um, <laughs> who is, uh, there's two women, Ferber and Lucy. Um, and you might have to help me which one Lucy is Turner. Turner's sort of main girlfriend who is English. Um, and then Ferber has threesomes with them sometimes, um, but also is around. Uh, and then right. there's a child. And there's, and there's a little child. A little girl named, right, right. Dana. Who, who just like, like a street urchin. Around, who who's just, just like a big fan. Yeah. Comes and goes. Yeah. Like a stray cat, right. this child. Yeah. Um, like, like, like Wiggins to Holmes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no. under the guise of um, Lorraine, uh, that's the child. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If they call her like Lonnie or <laughs> something. Not that that point matters at all. Keep going. <laughs> under the guise of a, uh, a performer, a juggler called Johnny Dean, he moves in with these people. Initially, he has conflict with them, in particular Turner, 
who uh, is sort of not a fan of him living there. But as time goes by, he, you know, is hanging out. He, he takes baths while the little child just hangs out with him in the bath. And they talk about Turner. Um, he gets to know these people a little more. They do random shit. Uh, and eventually one day, uh, Ferber uh, decides to make dinner and throws a whole shit ton of mushrooms in the mix. And uh, uh, Chaz goes on a little bit of a trip. Um, he's been reevaluating his look. He, he dyed his hair red to go on the lamb. And now he's like, well, maybe I'll try some other crazy stuff. And under the influence of the mushrooms, you know, he tries, uh, flowing, uh, clothes and perhaps even like a little bit of female clothing. Um, and even though he is angry when he finds out that he has been, uh, drugged and threatens to kill Turner in particular, he eventually goes with the flow and kind of embraces this more alternative sort of hippie sort of, you know, trippy lifestyle, Bohemian. psychedelic lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He even begins a relationship uh, with Lucy, um, the foreign person. Um, but uh, and indeed, mixed in this during the trip, there is a big music video uh, where Mick Jagger is a gangster and he tells the other gangsters mm-hmm. to take off their clothes. Um, then, <laughs> which, which itself is a theme for movies I've picked. I, I know. I was going to specifically know, bring that up. So, however, uh, Chaz also needs to get on the run because this is not a permanent place for him he has called his friend tony um and tony is being tapped by harry flowers and uh he gives him up the information of where he's hiding out and flowers and his henchmen come down to trap down Chaz, take him out and kill him for his you know killing of maddox uh, Chaz manages to convince them to let him go upstairs because he also has a gun and collect his things. While he's upstairs, he briefly talks with Turner and Ferber before shooting and killing Turner, Mick Jagger, and leaving the body in a closet. Uh, then he's ex- uh, escorted to uh, the car by the other gangsters, and in his new alternative look and style, he is driven away, presumably to be killed. His face is also uh, swapped briefly with the face of Turner. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, good job. Uh, he's he's job. driven away I mean, to be killed. Um, and his identity has obviously been changed and influenced by Turner. And in some ways, maybe they're one and the same in regards, you know, that sort of thing. That's it. Boy, That's it. Boy, howdy. Suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you did your ever loving best. I mean, like, to. It's difficult to convey how strange this freaking movie is because. Yeah, I like, mean, this is. Even. A, lo- a longish no, movie. I mean, it's, it's 105 minutes, and a lot of it is just, like, kind of fucking around, I guess. Um, yeah. It is a. It- it is a cult film. Uh, I should note this just because I don't know. Some or all of us might be sort of negative on this movie. Uh, it is worth noting that uh, 
the British Film Institute calls it the 48th greatest British film of all time, or it did so in 1999. And in 2008, Empire Magazine said it was the uh, 182nd best movie ever made. And it does indeed have a critical, follow, like a cult following. See, for me, this is weird because I don't think that it would have hit 50. I would have given this an F if I was grading the films. I don't get how it broke the curve. Like, sorry. I, I in a way, like this movie a whole I, in lot. In a way, I do <laughs> understand it. No, I, I, I actually, I, 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 I think what the only thing that saved me uh, through this movie is that I haven't been, I wasn't feeling well when I was watching it. So the movie kind of matched that tone in like a fever dream sort of sense. Uh, so in that sense, I just sort of like, okay, movie, I guess you and I, I can't tell the difference if I'm awake or asleep either. Um, but uh, I, in a way, more if I, I sort of kind of push back on that, like I, I didn't like this movie at all, but I can understand because it, it was released in 1970, but shot in 1968. Uh, because Warner Brothers literally gave them carte blanche to make this movie and didn't touch it, had nothing to do with the production because they thought they were getting a hard day's night. And then this is the movie they got. So naturally Warner Brothers says, we're not fucking releasing this. We're going to go. So it sat in a vault for two years before it finally released and it had to get re-edited and everything. You know, in 1969, um, so you get in, fucking in, Easy Rider out of the States, and they're thinking sure, maybe we... Sure. Easy Rider, just so, for no notation, a much better movie than this, in my opinion. Indeed, um, indeed. Well, but still kind of in that avant-garde sort of yeah. mannerism. You know what I mean? Like, I, So Agreed. in that respect, I can understand the sort of following that this movie has because it was kind of on the forefront. It was the, the tip of the spear for this kind of new wave of filmmaking in the I West. Can, um, I can understand that it felt, the weird thing for me is that I can kind of like, when I went into this film, I was doing it very much as like an academic thing because of course I'm a big Nicholas Rogue fan. I think we've all covered that. Donald Camel. Um, I really like a film he made called Demon Seed, which is a real mm-hmm. whacked out horror film. It's based off the Dean R. Kuntz book, I believe, because it's that old. Um, hmm has like a surrealist like nightmarish like death sequence in that movie because uh, long story short uh robot goes uh rogue it's an ai that takes over a house and tries to impregnate Dooley christie but because it was the time period they had a bunch of geometric shapes for the robot and the robot kills someone at one point but rather than doing the whole choppa 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 attack it's this weird geometric changing of shape that winds up killing someone so I had kind of high hopes coming into this that it would have something kind of mind-blowing or weird like that. But really the only thing I got I get is that, that it was uh, really experimental editing. And I could see how that mm. was definitely what came up later with uh, Nicholas Rogue and some sure. of his later films. Particularly well, the I, first few minutes. Oh, I, when I, I watched the first few minutes of this film, I was like, how am I ever going to discuss this movie? Because... <laughs> It's cutting back and forth between <laughs> yeah. all this shit and it's like him right. fucking in his apartment and then like mm-hmm. crime shit and all. And then like there's it's like all a over. jetliner and a And then Newman the overlapping dialogue and Harry Flowers talking about some horse shit that I didn't give a fuck about. And like it's so all over the place. And then it actually does calm down. Like after that, the narrative becomes much more clear. When it started, I was like, this is going to be something I just can't recap. Like it's gonna be a fucking nightmare. But then, <laughs> then, then the storyline is actually 
not very complex. If anything, it's almost like the part where he gets run out of town happens pretty quickly. And then it's just him chilling at this house for a long time. Yeah. It has the, uh, it does have like a real thing I noticed from that time period and just like low budget films from the past where they'll have not definitely filler sequences, but they'll have like higher budget sequences and then lots and lots of people talking because they couldn't afford to do things. So like if you're watching like a horror film or something from that time period, there'll be big kills and then people walking around a lot. Like even Wicker Man, like they built up to the scene where he met Summer Isle and then it's just sure. them walking around a garden for like about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Okay, but at least what they're talking about and what how the yeah. scenes interact with one another, there's a through line, you know. With this yeah. one, it's I, I I get that it was trying to be avant garde and that it is avant garde, uh, but it felt more messy than arty to me. Um, that yeah. like it, I am not a hundred percent sure that anybody while making this movie knew what this movie was going to ultimately be. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced of that. Um, I think that. I think, Bor, if you're right, I think this movie was largely saved, if you want to call it that, by the editing. Um, that if there's a takeaway from it is that, like, it's fucked up and you're in this kind of weird psychedelic fugue state uh, mm-hmm. throughout the movie. Um, I mean, like, there's there's a very telling scene right at the beginning when, when Chaz is getting told off by Harry Flowers. And then right in the middle of it, everybody, like, the film kind of the processing you could tell was fucked with and everybody turns into like this kind of ultraviolet sort of bluish and everybody's really sweaty, like, like they're tripping balls. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a through line throughout the movie. Um, And and that's where this is where I I think we should talk about the theme uh, in this notion. Let me ask you guys this. If, if, if there was a genre shift in this movie, and I'm I'm willing to concede that there was, um, if there was a genre at all. I, I do think um, it's actually, yeah, know, we like, I think it's something we need to discuss. Um, We've never had a disqualification vote on the podcast. It might I, warrant one. It's funny to me because I, I'm, not it's a, the I, first... I'm not willing to to call. It's funny because it's the first movie of the theme that I picked, and it's the one that I would agree with disqualifying because. <laughs> I really don't know if it switches genres. Like, it starts off as a crime thriller, and then he goes to the house, and I was expecting, from how it had been described, I was expecting it to go completely off the rails when he got to the house and become, like, a surrealist nonsense thing before it gets back into being, like, a hard crime story. But to me, it just seems like they explained it away. It's like, oh no, they took mushrooms, so anything you're seeing is loosey-goosey because he's on shrooms the whole time for that chunk of the movie. Hmm. Interesting. But, I mean, just because there's a causality for Uh, the genre shift doesn't make it not a genre shift. No, no, no. I'm not going to say... I'm willing to not call it... I'm not going to call it a disqualification. Well, no, no, no. no. Let's let's do this formally. I think it'll be a good first on the show. Um, I won't say which way I'm going. Um, okay. but let's, let's have our very first disqualification. Okay, well, I mean, like, Borf, would you, do you want to disqualify this? I mean, like we could still keep talking about it. Cause I've still got a, oh, I mean, of course, I've, I've still oh, got a lot. To I think, say. I think um, even if we disqualify it, we should still award it points. And even if it wins, it just doesn't win. Right. Yes. Right. I absolutely okay. agree. <laughs> I am completely egalitarian on this. It, it sounds like a perfect idea. Let's vote. 
we could still talk about it. There is still meat on this bone, even if it turns out to come yeah, from a sheep rather sure. than a chicken like we thought it was okay. going to be. For the, for the sake <laughs> of audio, I will conduct the vote. Um, okay. Chris Boriff, are you in favor of disqualification, I or nay? I. Russell Carlson, are you in favor of disqualification, I or nay? I think I've got to go with nay. I think I'm going to go with nay. Now it's my turn. Zach, uh, am I in favor of Uh, disqualification? (laughs) Uh, I think I will also go with nay and allow it to remain in the contention. Um, That said, I think the chances of this film winning are very slim anyway. They're pretty pretty much. I I would really like to hear... Carlson's view on if why I can it does give my, genre. If I can give my uh, majority opinion, <laughs> if I could write the majority <laughs> opinion here, uh, I I think that, A, this is well, I'm going to let it off. A, you've never seen it before. So I'm going to, that's, a, I think, a fair point to be made. Uh, two, when I, knowing that I have to pick the next movie and I've been racking my brain trying to pick what I think is a good one, or what even constitutes a genre shift and not necessarily a tone shift, which is what I think this movie actually does rather than an actual genre shift. Um, but in doing like research and trying to find it, this movie shows up on a lot of lists about this topic, specifically about genre shifts. Um, so given that there is a consensus on this outside of the movie trap dudes, um, I think that I'm going to have to allow it because if I'm not going to lie, the movie that I might have in mind, I'm not entirely convinced it's a genre shift either. Um, and here's why I will give it a genre shift. The moment, because I this will give is, you the this moment is, when this it is, to me. And it was, you're playing politics now. So you're trying to <laughs> seed favors for your own, your own. I'm trying to set precedent. Dubious I'm choice. I'm trying to set precedent here. I'm to set precedent here. Well, okay. But in, in, if I'm going to say where this genre shifts, if we if we have to make a call there, for me it was the music video. Once the music video hit in, I'm like, okay, well this is what this movie actually turned into. We had this whole like because this is what Warner Brothers paid for. Warner Brothers paid for a Rolling Stones music video movie. Okay, so they had to shoehorn that in there somehow. So once that music video happened, that's when I'm like, okay, I'll, I guess I could technically call it a genre shift because we'd never seen anything like that happen. Yes, it is motivated by the mushrooms. And if you want to call that a disqualifying thing, Borif, I guess that's, I, I just don't agree. Just because there's a causation for it doesn't make it not a genre shift. That's so probably, that's my, that's, that's my opinion. Okay, I, that's I, 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 I'm doing a more traditional thing. I do think that in the early part of the movie, even though the editing techniques and the psychedelic uh, aspects are, are present, there is a bit more plot and conniving between gangsters like this Maddox deal and like, however fucking bizarre the shit with the car was like, at least it's a weird crime thing and they kill a guy and blah, blah, blah. And I do think that it is a little different even honestly, I think the tone is consistent and the genre changes. Hmm. I would almost take the opposite track Sure, uh, where then he goes to this fucking cottage in the, you know, in an English village and fucks around for, for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it looks to me like, I think 
the the fact that you brought up specifically the drug shift and that kind of going into a different style of film i've seen that done i think better so i think for me i'm yes. going to say that i don't agree with you but i can like, conclude like the movie audition like the last 15 minutes of the movie audition totally get it totally agree because that movie does have like a very intense way in which it plays out and by the time you get to the last 15 minutes there's a drug scene in which the guy has a nightmarish view of a bunch of things happening that he couldn't actually have learned during the movie uh zach have you seen audition i have seen audition it's in the very last Um, scene right before he goes into he falls over and he has like this flash vision of him waking up in bed with the woman and then he starts seeing other things about that woman's history that he wouldn't have known from the film. Well, which is itself to be fair, kind of this a... is this movie is, I think, that movie is an extremely fair contender for this category. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. So, and, uh, but uh, Borif, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a point uh, for that point because I completely agree with you. And even when I was mentioning earlier in kind of defense of the sort of following that it's developed over the years. Uh, I would say that, yes, this movie is in- in- influential, but the antecedents from this movie have done it far better. I mean, even Clockwork Orange a couple of years later did it a lot better. And I better. would say, again, uh, as- yes, Clockwork Orange or even movies that are more or less contemporary like uh, Easy Rider is sure. fucking better than this movie. It has yeah. Yeah. more to say. I think the most resonant theme from this movie, the one that probably uh, holds up the best is questioning i think there's an idea of questioning gender identity going on and i think that yes. that is really interesting for 1968 um yes the idea of fucking around and doing a bunch of shrooms difficult. in a cottage whatever but uh yeah. the idea that gender is you know you don't have to like conform to toxic masculine gender constructs i think that's the thing about this movie that probably holds up the best that must have been a zeitgeist, because I think, wasn't this around the time that Ziggy Very Stardust true. 1968, what are we talking about? No, that? Ziggy yeah. Stardust was later, much later, but later? this is about the beginning of it. I mean, we're talking, okay. this is Sergeant Pepper. You know, like, this is still, okay. like, the, it, when this movie was shot, 1968, uh, this is still like Sergeant Pepper, and because I kind of want to talk about the Rolling Stones in general. Um, but, like, this, it, culturally, Zach, I think that, this movie being this kind of sex, psycho sexual exploration is very jiving with the with the times of the, of the culture at the time. Not necessarily mainstream, not necessarily what Warner Brothers was paying for, but I do think they were picking up this vibe from somewhere. And you know, the fact that Mick Jagger was all for it, um, you know, sort of speaks to that as well. Um, you know, that they just duped Warner Brothers to give them a bunch of money to make this movie. So. I think the monkeys did this too. Didn't they make the movie Head, where it was another situation where they expected a uh, like a nice uh, monkeys style, you know, musical, and what they got was something that was a nightmarish. Well, like, I mean, we're really high yeah. all the time. Movie, right? Yeah. Well, and that's sort of like what they got with with the help too. I mean, mm. like yeah, anyway. Um, but like, I think that. You the know, help, the the with, movie, with the, the Emma help, Stone, the help movie, okay. the Beatles. Uh, okay, help movie. Oh, all right, all right, okay, no, not the, fair enough. Not the <laughs> Octavia Spencer, yes. Um, no, no, no. Um, so this is still kind of happening around the subculture. It's not as prominent, and this is where I do kind of give this movie kind of like I can understand for academic purposes why this movie is talked about, uh, just for that fact alone. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's also part of the culture of like, you know, but it, this movie kind of takes it a little bit further than, than I've ever seen uh, before its time where it's this kind of weird psychogenic fugue, you know, like I immediately thought of like Mulholland Drive um, where it takes this very strange turn uh, and kind of gets weird, but it's David Lynch. So it kind of fucking figures. Um yeah, he seems like he's but a again, genre I would say, I like almost. I I I will say I liked Walhall and Drive more can than I, I like this can movie. Can I can I can I say something uh, say something somewhat unrelated to this film for a moment? Sure, sure. Have you ever seen that channel that David Lynch does where he does the weather reports? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every yes. day. Yeah. I was like, I, yesterday I he did one. Well, every single day he says what the weather is going to be in L.A. And yesterday he just stopped in the middle of it and was like, Vladimir Putin, you're going to fucking reap what you sow. You're a scourge on the, like the nation. I hope you like, like a whole like diatribe where he just stopped his, it was very interesting. Yeah. David Lynch. He's kind of one of my favorite guys for just that reason. Like he often will jump up sort of unexpectedly to say very specific things. Like when he, he went off on people watching movies on their cell phone. Um, movies on their phone. I remember yeah. that rant. Yeah. Because it's one of those things. Like, he's such an odd type that you expect everything to come out of his mouth to just be more of the sort of bizarre, surrealist stuff. But sometimes he comes up and he's just like, no, I'm a real human being with real feelings and I have a strong opinion. And it always catches me off guard. I'm surprised I didn't see that yet. I'll have to go look it up after this because, yeah, I love his weather reports in general. Uh, the fact that there's something real in one of them, that's kind of surprising. Yeah, it's for the one from February 25th. Uh, for those listening in the future, I believe it's the February 25th weather report. It's about four minutes long. Um, it's pretty straightforward for the first minute and a half or so. But Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the hugest David Lynch fan in the world, but uh, I've softened on him a lot. I have issues with some of his... I'm I'm not like the return is a little beyond the pale for me, but... uh, I mean, like, Borif knew me in film school when I was very vehemently anti-Lynch. I've softened on that view quite a a bit. Um, You know, old age takes that on to you. Um, But person who wasn't in old age quite yet, who is in very much old age now... But I like him as a person quite Um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, even if, it, <laughs> even if I don't always like uh, his movies, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, 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 I think that what, my, what my opinion of him doesn't matter. He's a fine director and a legendary director, and he deserves sure. uh, praise for that. So, um, just because he's not to my taste doesn't make him bad, you know. Um, but uh, anyway, I speaking of um, to my taste, uh, Mick Jagger. Uh, I think he was actually pretty appropriately cast in this movie for what it's sure. worth. Uh, I thought yeah. that I expected him to sort of just sort of, you know, kind of just woodenly kind of regurgitate, but he seemed, you know, kind of into it. You know, that may or may not have been to do with uh, off scene, off screen shenanigans, uh, knowing the stones in the late sixties mm-hmm. and early seventies. But um, one of the things I always do love about the Rolling Stones is you know, when this movie was made, in my opinion, the Stones haven't even hit their peak yet because their peak came in 1971 with uh, Sticky Fingers and, and Exile on Main Street. Um, that's just my opinion. But uh, what I've always liked about the Rolling Stones, uh, and this goes back to the early 60s even, is that they are, I'm a huge, um, you know, 
blues fan and the stones are too and they've never made uh any bones about it and they've always said we're just playing blues songs and that's pretty much what mick jagger does throughout this movie he just picks a guitar and starts strumming some rubber johnson um you know blind the the dark as the night song is played throughout they even throw a last poet song in there which is badass um in 1968 a last poet song that's speaking some real radical shit in their time if you haven't heard um you know when the revolution comes by the last poets get off your ass um so yeah i'll say this even though it wasn't clearly a rolling stones uh uh video so to speak because one of the most crucial members of the rolling stones wasn't even going to be a part of it um the music still kicked ass and even if it is just jagger strumming some robert johnson on a guitar i'll i have time for that yeah uh I mean, again, it is fucking fascinating to me that uh, Chris managed to find two movies in a row where uh, gangsters are forced to strip. Um, if he does say, a third I, one. I wouldn't say forced in this case. They seemed into it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, the, the, Wait, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If you can find in the next theme another movie where gangsters are forced to strip that doesn't disqu- get disqualified. We'll get. I, I will say right now. I'm gonna give you a bonus movie <laughs> for, for that unbelievable feat, that unbelievable trifecta. I am willing to do it. I'll see what I can do. I'm sure there's another one out there where the gangsters have. I to mean, get naked. I, I, I'll give you a, a movie and a half if you could do it without ever seeing it before. Because like so far, uh, that would be amazing. That, that would like, truly that, be. Maybe you just get to like pick the next year's track. worth of themes. <laughs> Right. If you blindly do it three times. (laughs) I mean, I will say that I loved that sequence in this movie. Like the other stuff in the movie, take it or leave it. But how weird that sequence was really sort of resonated with me because I would not have guessed that going into that scene, the dudes who look like they were going to kill someone would just start stripping and sort of clapping along. But I wouldn't have guessed that in the last movie that we watched either. It's really silly and weird. Fair enough. And I will say, (laughs) these gangsters don't look especially threatening to me. They look like just some British-ass people. Like, they're the most British-ass people who have ever lived. Well, I mean, I don't really they ever like feel high threatened. As fuck. <laughs> yeah. I don't really ever feel threatened by British gangsters for some reason. Like I know I've seen the Guy Ritchie movies and all that, but I don't ever really feel sure. threatened by anyone but Yeah, Jones, you know. Probably. You got yeah, like uh Rafe Fines and in, in Bruges. He's he's which I wonder because that character has a similar name to Harry Flowers. It's like Henry Powers or Henry something like it's a very similar name and I wonder if there was an influence there. Probably but, we could get into what the influences this had. I mean, I, 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 I think. Oh, the yeah. I mean, like Guy Ritchie, the sort of like British gangster. I mean, but British gangster has been around since the 60s for a minute, you know, like, you know, it's been around for a while. And it, it certainly this is one of the weirder ones that I've ever seen. I mean, this movie's very strange um, because, again, I think, yeah, they, they, the gangsters don't look particularly threatening. They just look high as fuck. They just look really, really stoned. Uh, everybody in this movie, with the exception of, I think, James Fox until the actual end, looks, like, really out of it. Uh, and, and it should be noted, this is the beginning of, like, the the Rolling Stones, uh, shall we say, heroin days, um, you know, when they were making their I, best I, stuff. Anyway. I think, um, I think uh, it's interesting to talk about Mick Jagger, like, what he did after this movie. James Fox, I don't know if you guys read about this guy and w- what his deal was after this film. 
He, but he it's kind of interesting be- in my... He went off and became an evangelical Christian for a while, right? It, so apparently this film was, um, you know, it was, it was screened and uh, a lot of critics walked out. Allegedly, a film executive's wife threw up in the movie theater like what the fuck is that woman like how light is your like ability to 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 deal with anything um but apparently that happened and it inspired him to become an evangelical christian for like 10 years and then he returned to acting and he's done a bunch of shit since then. Like, you know, he's been in Doctor Who because every British person has. But also Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Sexy Beast, uh, Patriot Games, you know. Uh, Sorry. Um, you, you, you went into, you know, other you went into shit. robot mode uh, for a, a lot second. Of Lost World. Sorry, you went into robot mode for a second in the middle of that. Could you just re-say what you just said? Sorry. Uh, so he went off and became an evangelical for about 10 years after that. And since then, he's been in a ton of shit like Doctor Who and Patriot Games, uh, The Lost World, um, Sexy Beast, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the the, the one with Johnny Depp. Um, but also interestingly, his daughter-in-law, uh, former daughter-in-law now, is Billy Piper. And his son-in-law is Richard, um, uh, I always forget, uh, uh, Awade, uh, Iode. Uh, do you guys know who this guy is? Uh, uh, Richard Ayode, the, yeah. the guy from the IT crowd. Wait, how, how is he related to him? He's his son-in-law. Oh, huh. His daughter is married to him. Damn. Yeah. That is an I, odd. I mix. didn't know that he was. Uh, I didn't know that he was uh, Billy Piper's father-in-law. Now I know he got the doctor. Former. I, I guess um, the mar- I guess that marriage didn't last. Well, okay. Well, now I know how I got funny. the Hoosh, Like, right? I don't know. Like, the the people always say that this movie triggered that about him, but having watched it, I don't know if anything in this movie was really that. It's uh, pretty extreme. by modern standards. I thought it was like tame and maybe even yeah. a little boring. Yeah. Well, like people always talk about how yeah. the sex scene was unsimulated or whatever, but watching it, I'm like, I couldn't tell mm. one way or another. It's just a bunch of stuff. I guess it's. Together. I guess it speaks to people in 1970 that this movie made them fucking throw up in the theater. Like this conservative ass Tory film executive. Well, again, I think the concept of people fucking, I simply must throw up. Again, I think that I think when Warner Brothers saw this in 1968, when it was shot, I could sort of see where they're coming from. Where they're like, dear Lord, um, what did we just pay for? But then, as we've said, then, you know, the new Hollywood kind of comes out and they get it re-edited and it ends up being released. Still not a critical success. I mean, like everybody still did not had a visceral reaction to it. But it sort of makes sense that this this new modern era of shock and awe and sort of trying to be, um, you know, mezzan scene with fucking everything or whatever and then like get really in close with like and you know the the sexual revolution and stuff kind of bringing that to the forefront when you're spending most of the early 60s trying to repress that and not make it acknowledged um by 1968 1970 you've lost that fight um so they 
I get why they release it because they figured, what the hell? We spent money on it. We might as well try to get a return. Um, and and you know, like for what it's worth, it, the fact that it's uh, lasted this long, uh, you know, that can't be nothing. But I am I am with you guys, obviously, because like didn't sure. shock me. I, I, More put me to sleep. Didn't didn't. I, you know, I know. Like, I'll, I'll, I do want to give the film credit where credit is due. It is about a violent masculine dude who like gets sent away and rediscovers parts of his identity that he didn't know existed, I guess, and kind of reforms himself. And there is things in that theme that are interesting and especially for 1970, very transgressive. And so I understand some degree of the acclaim from a modern perspective, 51, 2, 52 years later, it's, I don't know, man. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it wasn't worth it. academic. Wasn't worth it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's I, more, like, yeah, exactly. It, but it, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to give Chris a point. I think that that's an exactly great way to put this. It's academically interesting for this kind of movement. Uh, like, this kind of slow evolution of gender identity issues, uh, toxic masculinity issues. Now it seems so bland and boring, but at the time it was interesting, but to read back on it, look back on it 50 plus years later, it's like, yeah, you're not teaching me anything new and you're not right. doing anything that, that fascinates me either. You know, right. Nor are you shocking me to my core, you know, nor am I being yeah. like, oh, my stars, you know, like it's it's I, I'm more like looking at my phone like, what the fuck? You know, like, um, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. There, this this something this one actually now that we're talking about it, there's another movie that came out um, in 1970 that I think is actually better that stands up currently like it's a little uneven. This but is not the best movie of 1970? <laughs> well, <laughs> true. I know. It's hard to believe. Um, there's a movie called <laughs> Goodbye Gemini from 1970 that has been referenced in a lot of, um, I'm going to say, folk uh, horror music. Um like uh i can't remember their name right now but there's a band that does a lot of songs and uh goodbye gemini is interesting because it's about twins where one of the twins has an incestuous fascination with the other twin and it just gets stranger and stranger and it becomes more and more uh nightmarish as there's like murders and things like that that happen but there's a whole sequence in that where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and it's very possible I could be, that the brother who has the incestuous fascination winds up being, um, uh, he unwittingly ends up in a somewhat bi or gay circumstance that completely melts his mental wiring down and he doesn't know how to handle it. And it leads to like a lot of the later things in the movie that are a lot more sort of bizarre uh, people being stabbed. Let me. So the the premise is this guy is in an incestuous situation. Yeah. He's fine with that, and then he's in a bi or gay situation, and that melts his brain. Yes. But okay, it's it's more interesting at the time period to kind of view like what was considered transgressive and what was considered like normal. No, yeah, I, um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that I think that's an interesting 
window into yeah. Uh, and when I say twins, they were it was a boy and girl twin. So that was one of the things. Yeah, that... I, I assumed so. Because hmm. otherwise, I, I just, you know. The thing is, is the reason I mention it is that it actually stands up pretty well, and it ended up on, I believe, the video nasties list. Because I mean, we watched Dead Ringers, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, similar. It was like Dead Ringers a little bit, but it was more um, overt and got stranger at the end. Um, like that movie and another movie called Girly, which is similar from the same time period. Girly um, was essentially about a young woman and a family that sort of play an Ozzy and Harriet traditional conservative like family setting in England. But they keep killing people. Like, Girly keeps, mm. like, attracting men. They follow her home. They get killed by the family or forced to play act with the rest of the family to be sort of an Ozzy and Harriet traditional, like, I'm going to say Thatcher-esque, like, okay. dream family. Mm. And it just gets extremely strange. They're not movies that you're probably going to get a big thrill out of. I watched them because I was like, I'm down to see this. I'm interested in why these got banned. I can yeah. sort of see why sure. they would be banned at the time. I'm surprised this one had like no repercussions when the video nasty no kidding. came out. No kidding. I'm I'm I'm. But I mean, because like, and I I think it's because of the editing. I think the editing does so much to kind of hint at and imply without ever directly revealing. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, the way the crossfades work between um, James Fox and Mick Jagger sort of implies what the overall theme is, I suppose. Um, yeah. So it, it, it more just kind of hints at it rather than being that directly obvious. Yeah. That being said, it still doesn't make it any less, you know, coherent or or yeah. enjoyable to watch. It reminded me of Mandy too. Like the crossfades between their faces kind of like, I remember mm. in Mandy, they have the whole sequence where, uh, you guys have seen Mandy, I think. I have where, seen Mandy. I've um, seen Mandy. Yeah, where there's the scene where she gets uh, kidnapped uh, the mm. the girlfriend Mandy gets kidnapped by the cult, and she gets drugged heavily. And then there's a scene in which they're talking, and the cult leader's face and her face sort of merge and sort of schmoo together. Ah, uh, that crossfade thing and the question of identity, um, I think, was handled in an interesting fashion. I have no idea if that was a reference to this movie's sure. sort of bizarre handling of that, but hmm. yeah, I mean, there's again, this is like there's a lot of interesting elements the gender identity thing the way that uh, they switch faces like they Mick Jagger is in the the Chaz role and 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 uh uh Fox is in the Mick Jagger role at certain points like the way that people you meet influence who you are and, and blah 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 like they're theoretically interesting but in this particular case like either they're too old to engage with me or like too tired like maybe these are <laughs> earlier iterations that like uh aren't particularly engaging anymore or just not well done enough for me to care <laughs> something like that well how do you guys feel yeah. about this being the uh a the best use of mick jagger in a movie I've never seen him in anything uh, else. Was he in Pirates uh, of the Caribbean? No, that was Keith Richards. He was, uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he was in Free Jack. He was. Also I haven't seen in, Free Jack. Um, some strange um, Andy Garcia movie. Um, he he uh, he's done more a lot more producing than being in. I mean, if we're not counting like the documentaries about the Rolling Stones, uh, which I would say I would rather watch than this movie about mm -hmm. a thousand times. Um, 
But I mean, I guess like I, 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 like, I, it surprised me that like he was more or less, but I don't think he had to do much other than just be Mick Jagger, you know, and just hang out with a bunch of crazy birds and do a bunch of drugs. I, I think that he could do that pretty easily. I, and, you know, just tell him what to say. He could be pretty convincing with that. Um, you know, but like it, it is kind of it was fun to see like this being the Rolling Stones answer to like, you know, the Beatles Hard Day Night, because even Hard Day's Night, it's it's a fine film, but it is what it is. Um, and the Beatles are more or less sort of like puckish clowns that sort of just like cause a bunch of mayhem. This was a lot more the, the, the Rolling Stones always felt more dangerous than the Beatles, especially in the later 60s. I would say the Beatles felt more experimental, but I think the Rolling Stones were a lot more in the kind of delving in the dark side, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, outside of not really knowing his acting chops, uh, I thought that I, I thought he was going to be like, you know, kind of not really, I mean, as, as far as like crossover of musician to actor, there's not that many that you could say were accomplished at both. You could say Bowie if you want. He was a fine actor in things, but, I mean, he was much better as a musician. I think it's the same sentiment about Mick Jagger. He's a better musician slash producer than he'll well, ever be an actor. I guess I'll, I'll briefly... So the one that Lucy, I think, is the one that uh, Chaz, the main character, gets involved with late in the film. She is an immigrant from, I can't recall where off hand France or or something and we come from France and they're also simultaneously talking about potentially going to America in Chaz's case because he has no other recourse and her she's sort of reticent at that idea I think so I guess um uh I I suppose that this idea of Boundaries and and national identity is a parallel to gender identity or perhaps personal identity. I don't think they thought about it as gender identity at the time. I actually think that's a little bit more, little little later in life. I think it was more like, I want to, you know. Uh, well, not 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 to get off on too much of a ramp, but that even mirrors the career of the Rolling Stones at this point in time and. And I'm, I'm not too well read on it, but what I do know is that uh, Alan Klein, the great uh, destroyer of the 60s British rock and roll bands, uh, basically bilked all the Rolling Stones for the money and they owed a bunch of taxes to the United Kingdom in like 1969, 1970. So they literally had to flee to France to avoid prosecution for taxes. Um, then much later, they do the same thing in France. Uh, because Keith Richards gets caught with a bunch of heroin and they basically flee to the United States where they make a bunch of money touring and the rest is history. Um, So it does kind of mirror that where you have like this kind of, we need to get the fuck out of (laughs) here versus no, I want to kind of stay. So anyway. Oh yeah. I just think of like national identity versus like other forms of identity, masculine, feminine, sure. Aggressive, uh, passive or whatever. Oh, I, um, I think that's much more what they were trying to go for for this movie. I just, it's its funny to look back at this movie in retrospect, you know, considering the trajectory of the Rolling Stones from them. For um, sure. But yeah, I, I, I Actually, think that, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zach. No, you go ahead. No, 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 you, you uh, first, well, please. I, I mean, like, we, we've talked about it really that, like, I, I, I think that this movie is, uh, I was going to say, my actual thing I was going to say is, are you ready for final thoughts? I I think so. Yeah, I think I could go for final thoughts here. Um, 
Zach, why don't you go first since you brought it up? <laughs> um, this movie is, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think there's things of historical interest. I, I truly think the, the idea of academically interesting is perhaps very uh, the best way to describe this movie. I, I don't think it's going to be particularly engaging to people uh, of a modern age, people below maybe 50 um, people younger than this movie. I don't think it's going to be particularly challenging or engaging, um, <laughs> but I think that it is uh, of its time interesting i think it tries for interesting things that now are a little more banal um and i don't think it accomplishes them with a degree of excellence that is worth classic status so while I appreciate some of the intention and ideas, I think now as a film, it is largely redundant except as a footnote. I guess that's my final thoughts on this film. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and echo those because like, while I can understand the, this movie's, obviously influential sometimes in in maddingly ways <laughs> like it's it, it drives you crazy that like this kind of form kept going uh but it was done much better but it was hardly worth the journey it, it was hardly worth the the watch because i yeah i didn't i didn't particularly enjoy this film at all um i i think like i said earlier the, the there are movies that were may have influenced by this movie that i think did a lot better and very very recently um it's it's kind of a pedestrian plot you know that's sort of masked by this sort of self-indulgent psychedelia um that is going out of its way to be you know um intellectual but i think just ends up being kind of artsy fartsy for its own sake um yeah i i i think the ambiguity the, the ambiguity of the ending uh sort of kind of is a tell to me uh because it's like you know well you're gonna need a master's degree to unfurl this meaning buddy um and i always hate that when movies fucking do that to me it really just kind of irritates me i don't want everything planned out you don't have to plot everything out for me but when when you're basically just basically saying yep that's the movie we had fun making it um i you know we don't really care if you had fun watching it um that's that is uh uh big off for me so yeah Boref you know you did warn us that this movie was gonna be some Boref shit and uh mm -hmm. yeah I, I immediately thought of like enemy and shit you know so two, you know. two Boref's credit a blind yeah. watch and blind, I, I yeah, yeah. and it seems like well we'll we'll hear his final thoughts I, I, I feel like Boref was not particularly won over by this one uh that is correct I um I think it is fine that i finally did watch it um i think you guys are sports for coming along with me on this uh it was not the <laughs> most fun watch i think we can all agree that it was something of a uh wuthering heights uh one of those things where you're reading it and it's a 
intellectual and maybe an academic do not tell do not tell shannon i will not do not say that about withering heights to my girlfriend i I would agree with shannon on this Wethering heights is that's fine bad bad example bad example uh i should just say that it's it's something where you've heard about it and then when you read it 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 has something where you're you're getting an academic understanding more than uh, actively enjoying it or having a visceral reaction um at least not the one that was intended by the filmmakers um i'd say maybe on the road uh not to sure, not to shade sure. kerouac that one, but, uh, <laughs> that, yeah agreed agreed i'm gonna say at, catcher in the rye too for me yeah, yeah. catcher in the rye at some point it is that, just typing uh yeah yeah <laughs> uh so for me i think having seen this i always heard about donald camel uh this was talked about a lot there was an ifc documentary about him and it mentioned this film a lot which was Strange for me because it also introduced me to Samuel Fuller, which we had a great experience with Sam Fuller films. Um, I think that uh, at the end of the day, um, the editing definitely helped uh, and it definitely went somewhere. Like you could see how the French New Wave sort of influenced this and how that eventually turned into 90s editing and the current editing and all all the rest. But... Um, I think that's also uh, sort of a detriment to this. Like, it didn't really have a good, hard story that uh, had a purpose to do that. Um, And I think that the filmmakers, I'm just going to assume, were somewhat high on this one when they were making it. What? Well, I, I don't that sounds it. that sounds that like sounds, a pretty know, big buddy. yeah assumption. Well, I mean, there's there's a quote <laughs> that came back to me that I remembered, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I can't remember the exact quote. There's a documentary called The Cutting Edge, where they interview editors, and they interviewed uh, a guy named Don Camburn, who is the editor for Easy Rider, and his statement was that you can be high making a movie, but you can't be high editing a movie because he would go in. And he would edit a lot of stuff on the Sunday, a little high, come in on Monday morning and realize it was all garbage, have to throw it out and start over again. I think that this is an inspired choice to edit in this fashion. I do not think it really uh, nailed it all the way home. We definitely saw better examples of this, like Don't Look Now, fantastic editing, love that in that movie. Even um, something else that uh, Nick Rogue made, which was The Man Who Fell to Earth, I think was both a better example of that editing style and a better example of using uh, a performer's cultural cachet uh, to enhance the story. Because in this one, um, you know, you have Mick Jagger being the dark, uh, the dark overlord of evil (laughs) as a, you know, a scary influence. And in that one, you have David Bowie playing an alien, which was definitely the thing he had been running with for a long time, and it kept with him through his whole career. Um, I'm going to suggest... Probably true. The only scene people should really watch from this has to be the uh, stripping sequence in which Mick Jagger is doing a music video, because that one works for me. (laughs) Fucking Chris just wants to watch movies where gangsters strip. That's all he wants. (laughs) I got it tight. I'm going to look up your Pornhub history, my man, and it's going to be like gangsters stripping? <laughs> Chicago uh, Al Capone strip? Right. I mean, you know, I have a thing. I I the untouchables Get Lucky been, Luciano? The untouchables <laughs> would have been untouchable if they had just shown a little skin. Very touchables? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Boy, it I brings mean, a I'm new meaning to 
to Goodfellas. Um, uh, okay, well, I guess that puts me on uh, the in the firing squad here. So, okay, I really, really struggled with trying to find a movie on this one because, again, I, I struggle. Genre shifts are tough to gauge because it's, a little it's bit so of a challenge. anti-instinctual of a movie, you know, to, to downshift to a different thing in the middle of a movie. It's extremely risky. Um, or upshift. But, yeah, or upshift, depending on what you're doing. Um, and, and, and in some cases, I question, you know, like I said, I kind of looked up what the rest of the internet world thinks of uh, what they think they would classify genre shift films. Um, and, and one movie that that I saw in there a lot, um, and I'm not going to lie, guys, it's been between two movies um, that I've kind of narrowed it down to. And I've I, been I in the literally same just waited till the last minute now to kind of decide on it. And a lot of mitigating factors have come into play. Um, so I am going to choose. I've been saying this since Borf brought up the theme, and it's been in my head since I, so I just got to go with it. I think I'm going to go with uh, the 2017 documentary Icarus. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. I have not. I don't uh, even know what this no. is. Okay. I don't know anything about it. Um, it is a. It w- I think I believe it won the Oscar for best documentary uh, in its when it was nominated. Uh, oh, this is Netflix. great! This is our first documentary. I yeah, think. it not only is our first documentary, but it's also extremely timely because uh, if you know, where we are recording now, uh, if you're following all the news, unless you're living on Mars, uh, Russia has decided to decide to conquer Ukraine. Um, we're we're we're. In, we, the, for our recording, for our audience, it's February 26th for us. It's yeah. only a, a couple, yeah. three days after the uh, invasion. We're, we're so. still in the era of hope because Kiev is still standing. Um, so, but this particular movie, this documentary, I, I thought of this genre shift because I thought it was so fascinating the way this movie handled this subject. Um, I'll just spoil right now. Ultimately, the movie's about the Russian doping scandal at the Olympics, but the way the plot unfurls... Um, oh, maybe I did hear about very, this. Very, the time very of the Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I thought of it, and I love the way this movie kind of very drastically changes what the movie's about as far as a documentary is concerned. So I'm kind of playing a risk here with you, Borif. Like, it's not... My other pick was the other one that I, I'm not going to say it because I don't want to take a card away from Zach uh, because I have a feeling he might pick it. Um... Is I, I kind of question whether there's a genre, uh, a genre shift at all. And even this one, it's kind of weird because it kind of happens, you know, it. if a genre shift happens in the first 15 minutes of the movie, aren't we really just introducing the first pitch? And the first genre isn't really genre, but more or less atmosphere or characterization or sort of contextualizing. So this sure. is where I'm kind of like in this fuzzy area. So, I like it. I want to say, I don't think... This is a criticism of this choice. I think it's a good challenge choice in a way. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 For, again, a, for a theme. It's, it, I, I was going with my other choice, but then uh, Putin decided to be a dick. And um, now I feel like we need to highlight how much of a dick. Well, uh, what has Putin not decided to be that's, a dick? That's very true. Um, he so had a very punchable we... face as a child. Just side yeah, note. That's right. Now he's just a punchable old fucking man. Um, Okay, so uh, before we go, let's get a rundown of the points because bonus points for once in round one were divvied out. Um, and they were all given to Boref, who wanted to disqualify this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, uh, Boref, you have 12 points because uh, you got a bonus point from me for saying that others have done this better. And Zach, you got a point from Zach for at least, you know, saying that this movie is more of an academic exercise rather than watching a movie. So you have 12 points for final voting. Zach and I have two bonus points to give out with 10 points for final voting. And Boref, you have all three of your bonus points. Um, so with that, uh, this discussion was certainly much more enjoyable than watching the movie. And maybe that's just because of my health. But um, so be it. Uh, boy, this has been fun. Great to see you guys. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm uh, genuinely excited to our, to do our first documentary. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I, I have been, my, my wife, every time I mention a documentary, uh, because like nonfiction is sort of where I cut my teeth when I got into show business. So I've kind of got an affinity for it. But Sarah's always like, don't do a fucking documentary. It's not, you know, it's, it's a news report. It's not really a movie. I disagree. But um no, I'm, uh, anyway. I'm actually very excited, too, because I love documentaries. I'm, uh, you guys have and... never seen it, right? You guys yeah. have never seen it? Okay, I've never excellent. seen it. Yeah, excellent. I mean, I'm excellent. very excited. Great. Uh, yes. you know. Okay, good. Um, great. Excellent. Well, uh, on that note, uh, thank you all for joining us on this uh, interesting discussion. I promise you this uh, episode was probably more enjoyable than that movie. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, find us everywhere. We're The Movie Trap. Uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, I guess, um, and... Uh, and all this stuff and uh, Facebook, Russell, Twitter. Could I ask, um, do you have anything that's maybe very true, very uh, obviously a promise that you could make to our audience? Um, well, I think that I can promise you that... Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> but I what do I want to? Oh, I was, I was trying to lead you into. Oh, no, no, no. I've, I've got to. So uh, with that in mind, I have been Russell Carlson. Thank you for joining us. I have oh, been joined. Sorry, by I Chris jumped the gun. Yeah. All right. I'll take I it again. Absolutely um, I'll take it again. <laughs> I thought we were going into it. I was like, is he going to announce like. A, right. Yeah. I was like, or what, what? What's yeah, going right. to happen? Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, no. Did I, I promise you a kidney? Uh, the traditional <laughs> sign off. I was jumping the gun. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, thank you all for joining us. I have been Russell Carlson. I've also been joined by my co-host, Chris Boroff. I am still Chris Boroff. <laughs> and I've also been joined by Zach Powers. Uh, Chris Boroff loves movies where mobsters strip. <laughs> and that is that is almost a promise, but uh, for sure movie trap promise is that Diane Ladd is too young for Chevy Chase's mom. Well, that's the movie trap promise, which I jumped the gun on. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. Why don't you go to a hotel? A hotel? You must be joking. Look, I need a... I need a bohemian atmosphere. I'm an artist, Mr. Turner. Like yourself. You juggle. Why not? Why, why not? No. What? No. Le Jongleur. It's the third oldest profession. You're a performer of natural magic.